First Samuel 16, 6-13 When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look upon his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then sent out and went to Ramah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Keely, for your scripture reading today. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed that we might hear the words that you would have us to hear today. Amen. So as a child, learning the Bible stories in Sunday school at the Thai United Methodist Church in Thai, Texas, one of the first stories I remember really capturing my imagination was the story of Hannah and Samuel. Of course, that was after the stories of David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den. Those were spectacular but needed no imagination. But I remember learning about Hannah, a woman who was so sad because she couldn't have children. And she went to the temple and she prayed, saying that if God would give her a child, she would dedicate that child's life to God's service. Now, when the priest, Eli, saw Hannah praying, her lips were moving, but she wasn't making a sound. So Eli's conclusion was that this woman was drunk. So when he told her to quit drinking and get out, she said, no, no, I'm not drunk. I'm pouring out my grief and anguish to the Lord. Eli is touched by her proclamation, and he sends her home, and he says, I, I pray then that the Lord gives you what you've asked for. And God did. God gave Hannah a son, and she named him Samuel. Hannah, being ever faithful, brought her young son to live and serve in the temple with Eli. The story doesn't end there, obviously, because I've not even touched on where we are in the scripture yet. We're getting there. 
because when Samuel was just a boy, one night when he was sleeping, he heard his name being called Samuel, Samuel. And so he, waking up and thinking it's Eli, hops up and runs to Eli and says, yes, here I am, here I am. Are you calling me? And Eli, waking up, says, no, I wasn't calling you. Samuel, go back to bed. And it happens two more times. And on the third time, Eli realizes that Samuel must be hearing the voice of God. So he instructed Samuel to go back and to lay down. And when he heard his name again, to say, yes, Lord. And that's what happened. Samuel heard the voice of God. I still feel the fascination with this whole storyline. From the weirdness of Eli thinking that Hannah is drunk because her lips are moving when she's praying. It's kind of a silly thing I always thought as a kid. To the heartbreak of Hannah offering her only child to live away from her at the temple for the rest of his life. To the excitement of God speaking to this young boy, Samuel, in the night. I love a good story. And Samuel's is a good story. And in some way, I think that this story of Samuel anointing David is the continuation of Samuel's story more than the beginning of David's story. If we remember back to last week, or if you weren't with us last week, I'll just remind you that Israel was calling out to God for a king. And Samuel, who was at that time serving as judge of Israel, was like, actually, that might not be such a great idea. But Israel, Israel, always stubborn, is determined to have a king just like everybody else, just like all the other nations. So that was a story we heard last week. And this week we've got to fill in the gaps a little bit. Because Samuel went on a search for a king. And he happened upon a young man that seemed perfect. He came from just the right family, you know, one that was wealthy and had esteem and stature. And the kid himself was tall, handsome, lots of talents, perfect candidate for a king. His name was Saul. And God said, okay, go ahead and anoint Saul as king. And so Samuel does, and he's like, finally, I've done what the people have asked. I've done what God wants me to do, and here is our king. And if we remember back a little bit to Israel's demand of a king, they thought the king would answer all of their problems, right? Not quite. Saul, even though he seemed like the perfect candidate, had some issues, and he was not very good at his job. 
Samuel does not take this well at all. He sits around, he pouts, he mourns, he's upset because he thought this was the thing, anointing Saul and having Saul as king. Eventually God says, okay, Samuel, get up, quit mourning Saul. We're going to go find a different king. And so they go on a search together, God and Samuel, and they end up way out in the boondocks with a humble and simple family, the family of Jesse. Now, in preparation, God tells Samuel several times, you know, other people look at what's on the outside, but I, the Lord God, look on the inside. I look at what's in the heart. So don't be fooled by outward appearances. And so, as each son of Jesse passes in front of Samuel, looking each one like they might be a good candidate. Tall, strong, handsome, experienced. Each one is passed over. Finally, there's no kids left. And so Jesse says, or Samuel says to Jesse, are there any others? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, I mean, there's our, our smallest, youngest, runtiest boy. But, you know, we have him out in the field watching the sheep. Do you really want to see him? It's kind of a Cinderella story, isn't it? When David then comes, and he actually is also handsome. But God sees through that outward appearance to know that he's got a good heart. And David... He's the one. All this time, from the very beginning of his life, Samuel hears the call of God and does what God asks. From hearing God as a young boy in the night to this wild goose chase of finding the perfect king, Samuel listens to the call of God. And God's call invites response. And Samuel makes it look easy. Even from that very first time when God calls his name Samuel, Samuel gets up and says, here I am. What do you want me to do? I remember as a child, I felt kind of a, a kinship with Samuel. As a kid, I, even, I also thought God was calling me, not specifically calling my name in the night, Sandy, Sandy. But I always felt like there was something that God was calling me to do. But it was not an easy response. Now, in the United Methodist Church, of which I have been a part my whole life, we believe that all Christians are called to ministry. From the moment you're born, God has claimed you. From the moment of baptism, you have been called forth to be in ministry in God's church. At some point in my young 
life, teenager, early 20s, somewhere around there, a pastor of mine who really thought that I was being called by God gave me a book titled The Christian as Minister. I wish I still had it. I have other copies. <laughs> yes, it is the book that is handed to all persons who feel a call to ministry in the United Methodist Church or should be um, by pastors. I wish I had my original copy because I went through and I paid particular attention to one section because it has, in the very beginning, this chapter that says all Christians are called to ministry. And then it goes into different set-apart ministries, like licensed or ordained ministry. But that first section was the one I wanted to pay attention to. I kept highlighting all Christians are called to ministry. And I would tell anybody who would listen, you know, I just want to be a regular person, Christian, you know, like my grandparents, they were the most powerful ministers I've ever known, and they were a teacher and a farmer, and so I just want to be like that, just regular, just normal, just normal person. I don't need to be crazy about God or anything like that, because I had seen what it was like. My uncle and my dad's best friend both were United Methodist pastors. And I had lived my life vacationing at whatever place or parsonage they had been sent to separately by their bishops because as an elder in the United Methodist Church, you go where the bishop tells you to go and you say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And that was terrifying to me. To think about moving so often, never laying roots down, never having the choice. And so I did everything I could to ignore that call. You see how well that ended. But it's a story that is so common. I told you last week during our prayer time that Reverend Jamie Lee has been approved by the Mountain Sky uh, Conference of the United Methodist Church Clergy Session to be ordained and to be a full member um, of our conference as an ordained elder. Woohoo! Yay! We're going to celebrate that a little bit more next week. And actually, in October, when the actual ordination service happens, we'll celebrate her some more. It's a big deal, and I want to make sure that we celebrate it well. But one of the things that happens at this clergy session every year that usually happens in June is that we hear from all of the candidates for ordained ministry. Um, this year, they had made little videos, like a two- or three-minute video because um, we were meeting virtually. And at least 75 to 90% of the people that share about their call talk about the story of trying to wiggle out of it. But God is persistent. And God keeps calling. If you don't pay attention the first time, God will just call again. And God's call is surprising. At least to us when we hear our names. 
I think that the reason that so many people try to ignore or run away from the call, and I want to be really clear here, I am not talking about pastoral ministry, the call to pastoral ministry, because at that moment, if you think that that's all we're talking about, then you might think, I can check out, I've got a job, but no, we're talking about the ministry of all Christians and the call that God has on each one of us. I think one of the reasons it is so tempting to try to want to ignore it, diminish it, run away from it, is that universally we think that call is for other people. You know, the ones that were dedicated to God's service before they were even born. The ones that grew up in a temple. The ones that look like a minister, or act like a minister, or dress like a minister. Not us. Maybe we're the wrong gender, or maybe we're the wrong color. Maybe we have, you know, passions for other jobs, and so we think that's for somebody else. Maybe we think that we have the wrong personality, or that we just simply are the wrong person. But if we hear anything in the story of the biblical witness, it is that over and over again, God takes the unexpected path and calls someone totally surprising, like me, like you, people like us to continue the work of love and justice. That every call invites a response. Alan Ewing Merrill writes this poem, Call and Response. The question is not whether you are a calling God. You call. You invite. You inspire. You challenge. The question is whether we are a responding people, whether we are open to your guiding spirit, whether we quiet our hearts to hear your voice, whether we are willing to be conformed to your will, continue calling God to gift us, equip us, nurture us, challenge us. Yes, continue to call us for the sake of a world that needs the gifts that you've planted in us. And when we're slow to respond, keep nudging, keep whispering, keep pestering, provoking and prodding, keep calling, keep inviting response until our hearts are quieted to hear your voice and open to your guiding spirit and willing to be conformed to your will until together we dance step by step, you in the lead. Call and response. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.